are back. Welcome to the 12th Men podcast. Uh, unfortunately, not joined this week by T1. He's at work, but I am joined by the councillor, looking suited and booted. Former councillor. Well, uh, but the upgrade from T1. Yeah. Uh, councillor Gash, how are you? Not too bad. Yeah. Better What's going be, on? Better for being here. So well dressed. Always well dressed. Suited and booted for, for our guest. We have another yeah. guest. Ordinarily, I come in tracky. Yeah. <laughs> but as we've got such a high, high profile, Big name. Aaron's been buzzing all over. Oh, correct. I have. Yes, I have. Yes, yes. I really have. Yes. Um, so excited. He actually got a haircut. Yes, I have. And a beard trim. Just and for you. And just nice, for you. A nice fade. You get the nice, should I get the fade? I was like, why not? Get the fade. <laughs> and why we're looking so smart is we are joined by none other than Adam Collins. Welcome to the Top Fan Podcast, What a joy. I loved your interview with Jay last week. And Thank a, you. A few other hits along the way. And you, in, uh, in preparation for today, I went and sat down at a cafe and had a had a Sri Lankan curry. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. I know when you had, when you had Vishon, yeah. you, had, you had food with him, so I thought it was only right. Nice, nice. Uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut in terms of our podcasting. But uh, <laughs> we, well, Adam is a well, cricket writer, journalist, one man media empire of the highest repute. <laughs> He's been all around the world, writes, well, for everyone, it seems, uh, including Guardian, Crick Buzz, Wisdom Cricket, uh, Australian correspondent. Yeah, for wisdom. It's easy just to identify the media organisations that I don't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he is finally taking uh, the time to join us today, um, which we're pleased about. So let's just jump in. Let's get straight into it. Adam. Sure thing. Um, when can we be part of your media empire? Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it, it was a fledgling media empire a few months ago. Now it's a, a diminished one, but no, it was uh, to what you refers the the buying the rights to. Commentate the on radio the, the audio rights rather for the Australia Pakistan series last year and it was a it was a, an amazing experience one that I'm really grateful that we were able to assemble and pull together at, you know not short notice but short enough notice that kept us awake late at night and so forth and we had some great support from Wisdom who you know, ran the ran the commentary yeah. and some wonderful commercial partners and a range of others who. Back the scene, not Phil not, Walker again. Phil Walker, Yaz, producer Yaz over here. Producer was, Yaz, we yeah, also need to happen. shout out. Could have happened without Yaz. So. Yaz has now agreed to come on board, part of the 12th Man podcast crew. Um, welcome, Yaz. Can, do you want to say anything, or do you want to just? I'm quite far away from the microphone, so <laughs> yeah. I think I'll leave yeah, it to yeah, you. Yeah. Guys. You can see his professionalism. He's <laughs> yeah. too far away yeah. to be picked up. But no, it, it was a it was a great thing to do, and, and having been lucky enough and fortunate enough to travel the, the world for the last five or so years. Covering the cricket is a is an awful lot of fun. So we well, we're gonna we're gonna delve in. into that because I've got a few questions on that. What I Please. am what we what we'll go straight into is the cricket. Mm. Um, Test cricket. Well, we've said this on this podcast before. It's it's gone. It's had a really good year, I think. And and the results, especially recently, in terms of lower place sides in the rankings, overturning top top three, top four sides in terms of South Sri Lanka just getting beat uh, by Sri Lanka. Uh, and England, what well, losing to the West Indies in, in a, when the West Indies were heavily favoured in that? Uh, sorry, England were heavily favoured in that series. Is that that's a good thing, Test cricket, right? Yeah, I mean, had you listened, or had we been having this conversation, say six months ago, you might have saw um, England's schedule and thought it was a, a relatively soft build-up to the yeah. Ashes. Uh, you know, um, Sri Lanka at home, but. Significant turmoil. Um, not expected to do particularly well, but no. you know, not not particularly on Broadway series. Followed by the, the West Indies, who have steadily got worse over the last ten years or twenty years. Really, um, you look at the results they had here, notwithstanding the amazing Henningley performance yeah. um, two summers ago. But you know, you think about the way they played at Birmingham, the way they were turned over at Lords, and you would you would uh, 
rightly arrived at the conclusion that England might have a, a soft yeah. ashes build up, but anything but. They've been truly That's tested out in out in uh, out in the Caribbean, and uh, and they're they're still perhaps no closer to finalising what their eleven will be for the Absolutely. first test against Australia than, than what they were in. Uh, than what they were in September. Really, the case right now remains that if, if there is an opener in England who can go out and make a truckload of runs, I don't know, the bike to my right might fancy it. There is an opportunity there. And, and, and I made this point on the Wisdom Pod the other week. Usually you talk about a spot being available yeah. at the start of the summer. There, there's probably three. Yeah. Uh, and that's emblematic of what a strong test the West Indies were and, and, and you know, what a... Tremendous performance it was from them when they just were expected to roll over as they have done routinely in the last few years. So it was, it was kind of inspirational. So tapping into your theme about what a year of Test cricket has been. I think the ball is outperforming the bat. Oh, that's that's what I was going to say. It just yeah. seems like across the board, the ball uh, bowling attacks seem to be all over batters at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the thing that struck me the most in the last six months is not only the results, but how outside the norm they are. So for England to go and win in Sri Lanka was unusual, mm. especially after Sri Lanka rolled the vast majority majority of non-subcontinental teams out there. And then if you look at Sri Lanka's result in South Africa, being the first subcontinent team to do it, everyone, especially after their performances against New Zealand, yeah. England and Australia, I mean, everyone expecting that. If you're a professional stuff. gambler, you might would have lost... Well, I'm not. A lot of money. Thank God, Harry. Yeah, and uh, nor am I. I'm about cricket. But most people think that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. six six days of cricket, three days for each game, and South Africa rolled them, and Sri Lanka turned up in a massive way, yeah. an unexpected way. Uh, Pakistan result, New Zealand winning yeah. in the UAE. Yeah. Who'd have thought that would happen? That was that, that was another it? extraordinary result. And, about that one. And I think the only thing I'd say about the West Indies series is that England historically have been pretty mediocre when they go out to the West Indies. So I think, I think, I've always thought that West Indies are very much everyone's yeah, second team. Yeah, the stat that we actually haven't won that many tests in the West Indies, right? Yeah, correct. We've only won two series since the 60s. In the West, in the West Indies. Indies. So we're historically an underperforming uh, yeah. side in the West Indies. Yeah. It's just that this... But I guess everyone thought this particular yeah. West Indies team... Team. The batting always so seems to be... Well, them. well, well the batting especially just yeah. show, showed a lot of resilience, which... Yeah. Well, generalised, sweeping generalisation, which is uncharacteristic of previous West Indies sides. Yeah, and I guess the concern for England is with Aussies having so many good, good seamers yeah. and seeing how much trouble the Windies boys cause yeah. our top seven. Well, let, well, let's save that. Let's tease so that. For, let's okay. tease it for a little bit later. You know, we're pros at this, so we can tease these. But let's talk about one person. I want to talk about this, uh, the Sri Lanka because we've bashed Sri Lankans for having been, have a, yeah. well, we are Sri Lankans, so we've bashed we, we are. We are. <laughs> we are. Yeah, sorry. And the long lost brother of the yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Sinatra Ice Cream. He's had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I grew up, I just like great memories of growing up. Yeah. And where I grew up in, in, in South East Melbourne, um, my best exposure, well, the, the first exposure I had to Sri Lankans were the, the fact that there were so many playing at my cricket club. Yeah. At Endeavour Melbourne. And, yeah. Out of South East. We, we shared a ground with Candy, who played okay, in the right. Sunday comp. So yeah. we, um, nice. we, we were always watching on a Sunday after playing on a Saturday. We yeah. watched the the Sri Lankan comp and a lot of the guys who I played with would play in both and so forth. And so in 1995-96, that famous summer for Sri Lankan cricket, which is uh, where they go on to win the World Cup yeah. in March 96, that whole summer with Kalavatara and I going to the top yeah. of the order, joining 
So Jai Surya yeah, and, and the revolution. Aaron uh, you know, the Silver. Murilitter, and of course, was called on Boxing Day yeah. for, for throwing. But it was a far broader story going yeah. on than that. So I've always felt like a, I've got well, a, actually a strong synergy back, with you guys. Well, I actually watched you back downstairs, Colo. Uh, and it was that Sri Lankan influence. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were still going for a little BBL contract somehow out of nowhere <laughs> like they seem to give out. I thought, you know, yeah. balls were disappearing to all parts. No, well, I think that by that you mean I, I have... Um, I only have one year, which is to slog. And <laughs> I think that at age 34, I haven't matured as a cricketer. It's a on my, on my personality, I think. Well, Sanath's had a bad day, but another left-hand of Sri Lanka, Kusar Jonathan Pereira, had an unbelievable day. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, day. And when he knocked, uh, knocked over the total on his own, pretty much. Yeah. Well, in a 80-run, 10th wicket partnership. Yeah. Um, that is a great thing for Sri Lankan cricket because we've, as I said, alluded to earlier, Again, we've uh, characteristic as well, right? Yeah, Sri Lanka famous for like bungling chases. <laughs> bungling what? Chases. Sorry, good. Outside. Make sure, make sure we get our words right Out, on this. Outside uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah. And for him to chaperone the tail in yeah. that way was phenomenal. And, and also smash the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, and also the fact that it was the test after they were obliterated at Canberra. I was there yeah. for their previous match, and you wouldn't have thought they could beat a club side. No. And, and you're watching um, Vishwa Fernando yeah. uh, and, and the man on debut, uh, Sharina Ratna, and uh, you know they just didn't look anywhere near it. And to think that um, Fernando's now taken what I don't know what it was about 17 wickets in the yeah, series, yeah, hasn't he? And, Enjoyed and, bowling and been, and been exactly. you know, crucial to that last yeah. wicket partnership, taking blows on the body. There was some good data um, crunching done last week over at Crick Info, and they, yeah. and they worked out that by their metric, it's the greatest innings ever played, better than the, the Gooch 154 at Headingley really? in 1991, which was the, the, the gold standard before this, which says a bit, I think. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you go away, you can. You, the recency bias is that we see something wonderful in the cricket field, and we yeah. identify it as the greatest thing we've seen. I'm guilty of it. If you see my Twitter feed, you, you know, you, hyperbole is part yeah. of the job. But, well, you're cricket writers, you know. Yeah, yeah, got to beat it up, you know. Yeah. Um, but on this occasion, there's good sort of empirical, I dare I say, data, which yeah. which, uh, which uh, does sort of spell that out. So, oh, it was amazing. I just wish I had watched it live. I was in the no, gym. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> when he was swinging over the boundary ropes. Off the and he got the massive whack on the head as yeah, well. He did, the, yeah, he um, uh, Jai Richardson in Canberra smacked him in the yeah, head. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was the day after... Karuna Ratna copped a whack as well, yeah. and it was quite a brutal uh, first innings for Sri Lanka, and, and the fact that he um, was able to back it up two weeks later and play that kind of innings yeah. against that kind of attack, it's uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's truly one of the greats. Hopefully he turns up for a few more series. Though. Yeah, and that's hopefully all, he turns up for the World concern. Cup as well, because it's, yeah. an interest, it's building up to be an interesting World Cup. Yeah. Sides are playing well in, in fits and spurts, and like you just don't know who... Right, there's the current series at the moment, time is recording in West Indies, England, is one all. And you don't really know, although England are favourites, and they're not outstanding favourites, it's the closest, I think, a World Cup's going to be well, for I'm, a while. I've always felt with World Cups, like, you get to the knockout stages. Yeah. And it takes one innings. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, one it's, better bowl. Yeah, I, I remember that Gilchrist knock in Sri Lanka. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That was it. That was it. I remember the reverse. I remember when Mahela scored his 100 in the, the following World Cup. I thought there's no way he's going to chase it. But yeah. as soon as Gambia got going, it was job done as well. Yeah. I, I guess the, the one benefit of the World Cup set up the way it is this year is that only four, four teams make the, yeah. the second round. I, I've always thought that quarterfinals in a World Cup, in a Cricket World Cup, is... Pointless. 
pointless because yeah. only in the last World Cup it was fairly clear who was going to make it with the exception of Bangladesh or England. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, the fact that it's a 10-team World Cup, not a 14-team World Cup is a fucking disgrace. Yeah. The ICC should You've be You've said helped. something about that. You've said that publicly. Oh, I mean, everyone has. I mean, yeah. anyone that follows the game seriously yeah. knows it's a fucking disgrace. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but it's done now. Yeah. And in light of what we have for this World Cup, um, everyone will play everyone. There'll be nine group games. Then the elimination round will just be a final four. I, yeah. I feel there's obviously a better way of doing this, which is having the Super Six, which they had here in this corresponding tournament in, two, in uh, 1999, where... By the time you reach the final four, everyone's <laughs> played everyone. Bundled that one. Yeah. yeah, they didn't make it through. Yeah. I mean, you look at no one can complain about their lot in life no. in '99 because out of the final six, that Super Six round, everyone played everyone, and that determined who made the semi-finals. So, um, but in in the absence of that, um, I, I like the idea that no side will be able to complain after these group yeah. games. Nine games will uh, separate the serious contenders, and, and then you get to the business stage. And if we can be so lucky as to have. A semi-final, the likes that we had in '99, that famous South Africa as Australia, Australia that, that would that would that would truly be something. Well, that's clues, But yeah. I've got to say, I reckon you're being fraction, um, fraction pessimistic, Aaron. Like England, um, I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. That is my nature. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, England by any yardstick should yeah. come into this tournament feeling as though they are the absolute favourites, yeah. and, and it's irrefutable. So to to deny that is, I think, a, a little bit a little bit English, dare I say? Yeah, it's a, no, it's a little bit. In keeping with the sort of national credo of under, under well, by talking up and I like, talking, yeah, we we like to talk it up, but we like to be underdogs as well. Yeah, so you want to play best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like to talk it up and do the same. So thing, as good as so. India have been against, us, but you know, it, it's easy to sort of say, well, India have won X amount of series yeah. in a row. Australia did win a only win two one against them, and Australia's one day side is well, so far I'm off the pace. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, in transition, you know, they, they, they are probably perhaps the seventh or eighth best side in the World yeah. Cup coming here and. And they pushed India four or five weeks ago. So yeah. I don't think India are anywhere but that, but my, near as impressive as England. I suppose my point is like, and yeah, England, yeah, you're right. You know, you look statistically and by their results, they should win. They should be the favourites of the World Cup. It's just, like you said, I feel like there's a blow up in England. They always seem to have a blow up per series. Like they will get beat, they'll be 20 for five or somehow, and they'll end up losing. If that happens in the semi final, it'll be like a, oh, England. Yeah, like the Champions Trophy, I suppose. Yeah. And, and that's probably one element of the World Cup that I'm looking forward to is how the, the pitches mature and evolve through yeah. the tournament. So they will be probably traditional-ish yeah. pitches at the end of May into June, although in saying that it was, it was 20 degrees 20 in degrees London today, today yeah, in February, outside, and, yeah. and you know, the Antarctica is melting. So, yeah. um, but assuming... What global warming? Yeah, I know it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. Um, but assuming that there is um, a degree of normality around, around the pitches... Yeah. By the time you get to the start of July, the business end, it'll be quite a lot different to the start yeah, of June, um, as it is historically here. Yeah. So that might be more like the Champions Trophy when the pitches got slower the longer we were playing. And, and it's worth noting as well that the way the broadcast works um, for a lot of these grounds, they'll only be able to pick from two or three pitches. So you can't no. constantly Rotate. use new pitches. Yeah. It's going to be the case that um, some a old few pitches dry will wickets. Need to, yeah, yeah. And, and dry wickets will will mean that, that spin is a big influence. I, in a way, I, I'm from a cricket perspective and not, not from an Australian perspective, not that I'm parochial anyway, but the um, the Afghanistan-Australia game is the yeah. opener for the Australians. And if, if Afghanistan were playing Australia at the back of June with three spinners, gee, they'd be favourite. Well, um, and they'd, they'd be favourite anyway. They've just got 274 in a T20, yeah. <laughs> a T20 yeah. game and Russia yeah. can't take like eight fifers after. They might be yeah. favourite anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Russia can't play as a woman plays to watch. Yeah, he is. Mm. Absolutely extraordinary. He's... I mean, we said that the only thing is he hasn't done it in international cricket, and now he's going to rock up to England. Yeah, now he's, 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 he's yeah, going to do it. Yeah, he's, yeah. Well, 
moving on to Australia, Carl, you've got a unique perspective on the state of cricket, <laughs> the state of the game, and you. Oh, the state of it. Yeah. <laughs> the previous political background, you were a, a special advisor to the Prime Minister. Um, you should you should know about kind of, um, well, state of, state of the union, the state of the game. Turmoil. Turmoil, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. What What is the health? Obviously, as cricket fans, we've all got, uh, English cricket fans, uh, eye on the ashes. That's a massive part of like, any cricket fan's calendar. Um, what What's the test side looking like? How are they going to play? How is this new management structure looking under the, the leadership of Kevin Roberts? Uh, Justin Langer, obviously, new coach. Mm. Yeah, talk to, talk to us about yeah, it. Yeah, there's lots of unpacking. Yeah. Um, I've asked about 20 questions that's there okay. without, without really yeah. reading one that I want you to answer first. Let's so have yeah, a general on. conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the test side, although they don't play another test match until Edge Baston on the 1st of August, which yeah. um, is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a misstep not playing a test match against Ireland. Um, ahead of time, Pakistan did so last year and, and linked it to why they performed so well at Lords. But anyway, bygones. Uh, the Sheffield Shield rounds between now and the end of the season, the four of them are all played with the Duke's ball, which is purpose, purposely, yeah. purposely because they want to make sure that uh, they have the best opportunity to play in England. And this yeah. is the summer for it, obviously. The, the, the positive is that um, they'll, they'll probably leave the summer uh, with if things trend as they currently do, with, with several options for the top of the order. Well, they're which, all scoring runs, aren't they? Yeah, which you wouldn't have said three months ago. No. Uh, and, and the other positive is that <clears throat> Travis Head made 100 in his last previous test match in Canberra. Again, not, not the not the hardest 100 he'll ever make, but he did a really good job in tough conditions early. It'll be forgotten that Australia were 20 for three on that first morning yeah. in Canberra. And then Head came out and changed the game. Um, so there are, there are some... Uh, there are some tailwinds there at the right time. But in saying that, it, it would be naive to think that Australia have got much of a show of performing well here. You look at the history of this. Australia have won three live Ashes tests in England since 2001. So, you know, it kind of gives you a, a feel for uh, how tough it is for Australia to win in England with the moving ball and with... For the back end, the kind of back end of the season when the pitchers may be at their best, when they start the Ashes series. That's true. That could work in their favour. Yeah, perhaps so, but I, I don't imagine when they rock up at Edge Best and no. anything other than a Jimmy Anderson. You know, yeah. they'll, well, they'll do. <laughs> yeah. they'll, 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 as they should, by the way. Yeah, like, no, some no, people no, get angry about this in Australia, no. but I mean, if I were, if I were curating yeah. pitches in, in this part of the world, that, that's precisely what I'd be, I'd be doing. And they, you know, everyone else does it, so why shouldn't England? Um, so I think the batting will be exposed. And also, that it's not exactly clear. I mentioned before that if they're... they're might have several options yeah, in the batting. I mean, I don't know. Just with their recent, real recent form, you don't know who to leave out. If they're all, if you've got a, a say, Bancroft is going to be talked about. You've got the two to come back, obviously Smith and Warner. You've got uh, Kawaja still in there, who's under a little bit of pressure now. All of a sudden, he played that match-saving knock in in, in Dubai, yeah. and he was a mainstay of the new Australia. But now he seems to be under pressure because you've got Harris and also, as you said, Travis Head. So you know yeah. who's missing out of that. Well, I've got, I feel like I've named about 18 batters no, and, for six places. And that's it, right? But you look at their records and they don't demand that kind of um, reverence. So okay. a player like Marcus Harris has played six test matches and, and not made three figures and, and had a poor end in summer. So even though he made a ton for Victoria, a great ton by all reports, so chased down 300 in two sessions, so match-winning century at the junction over overnight, um, he, he wouldn't be a lock for the test side. Um, or the squad for that matter, because his 
evidence, uh, the body of evidence from his summer doesn't quite get him over the line. He probably was one inning short, one big innings short of getting starts against India. Lots of starts. Lots of starts. He came in the 30 and 40 pretty easily, but then he found a way of getting out. But Australians like going left, right, and Warner will open the batting. So this is the thing that has been probably lost in the in the public discourse around Warner and Smith. People are quite forgiving of Bancroft and Smith and less so of Warner. But, I mean, they're both coming back. Smith yeah. and Warner are playing the first test. Like, <laughs> yeah. to, to, there is no other uh, scenario. There's no other There's no other option for, for the Australian cricket oh. club to bring them back. So, the, Good. It's great to see so, so David back. David back. Yeah, so there probably will be a right-hander. You know, there probably will be a right-hander. Yeah. So, and Burns made 180 uh, did, yeah. in the most recent test, mate. An 80 and a 60 on Queensland this week, and, and then yeah. Bancroft, you mentioned before, although that, that he probably will have to do more than the others yeah. because he's missed an entire, well, nine months of cricket, the, yeah. the bulk of the Shield season, more than half the Shield season. So, yeah, there are options, but they're not established options. They're not, uh, this, isn't the, this isn't the Australian side that came out here in 2005. This yeah. isn't the Australian side that came out here in 2015, for that matter, which was which was stacked with uh, you know, experienced veterans. So a lot of them did retire on, after that series was completed, but um, you know, players have been to England several times. This is a lot different to that. There'll yeah. be a there'll be a culture shock of sorts when they get here and play on these pitches uh, against experienced bowling. So that doesn't mean they can't beat England. That is, um, they might be able to blast England out. They've got the fast bowling. Yeah. But, um, yeah well, we are batting has yeah. you know, recently not exactly. You know, they've cemented uh, their place at the top of the order. We don't know what combination we're going to go with at the moment for that for the Ireland game. So I think only one place is really guaranteed, and that's Rory's at the moment. Uh, but the other two, in terms of Jennings, I don't think will feature in the Ireland game. And Denley, they're not sure if they want to bat him at two or three. So it's an interesting position to be in. This is the fun of it. This is the fun of this. The good bit about this series is, I mean, again, we don't, I don't gamble on cricket either, but if I were to, yeah. if I were to, I'd have, I'd have two flutters this summer. One would be backing Afghanistan against Australia. And <laughs> so, well, let me just write notes. <laughs> and, and the other one would be backing um, no test to go to a fifth day in the Ashes. Because I don't, I don't think either batting lineup will be able to repel the strength of the bowling lineup. Because you look at the, the Australian pace artillery, for want of a better word, you can probably add James Pattinson to that to get through the back yeah. half of the Shield season. He's probably the best bowler of the lot. Yeah. So uh, he might be a smoky, but Jai Richardson, um, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood, like that's formidable that anywhere in the world. And line, and, and, and line with all his experience, the better yeah. part of 350 test wickets now. Yeah. So it'll be... T- my, my way of thinking, a race to 20 wickets, yeah. that could be fun to watch. I mean, now the Top Man podcast is uh, offering out independent financial advice. Uh, <laughs> that's Adam, Adam Collins on Twitter. Yeah. No, um, so if you need your money there, go there. Um, so the big thing that came out of Australia in the winter post Sandpaper Gate was yeah. culture review. But, you know, having a good culture. Now, what has that meant in terms of, in terms of like, on the boots, on the ground, yeah. um, actions. What is that? What is that? What is that? What is it? You know, what is a good culture? How that manifests. Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to see? What are we going to see? Um, it's because I because when, when when Sri Lanka were getting bullied, and they and Australia bullied Sri Lanka, I saw some of the traits of the old Australia. Too right. To back again, which yeah. is which. I'm fine with which I'm fine with. I'm just saying, if you're going to say we're going to have, you know, we're going to be this X side of we're going to play tough but fair, we're not going to overstep the mark. I've heard that before. We're not going to overstep that line. 
So, you know, we won't be hearing the lion talk about it anymore, yeah. it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, when we were in South Africa last year, which is nearly 12 months ago, I talk about that, I probably need to have my therapist in. <laughs> um, but that, that, was the, that was the buzzword at the time. Yeah. But yeah, as you put it, overstepping the mark, we can have a mature conversation around that without getting stuck in the, you know, oh, it's the line again. Like yeah. everybody, there, there is a line. I mean, yeah, it was a cliche for a time in the way that Nathan Lyon and David Warner spoke of it lends itself to parody, but <laughs> there is a standard of behaviour which which people expect, and um, that there is a conflict in this as well. And this is probably a much longer conversation. But those I feel those who were most aggrieved by what happened in South Africa and were just absolutely disgusted by it and wanted to see um, Warner and Smith taken out the back and shot, perhaps literally. Um, we're, 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 you know, and I'm not saying every single person that felt that way felt this way, but there was a decent amount of crossover in the Venn diagram of those who absolutely love it when Australia play oh. complete mongrels. Yeah. Um, who Australians you, love it when Australia play. Well, not every Australian. Not all Australians. Sorry. Sorry. There is a big group of people who, yeah. I mean, you know, who, who are passionate lovers of the game. Yeah. And you've got to respect them for... Yeah. Their love of the game, but they would have been, um, you know, I can imagine, and this is a bit unfair to kind of badge it on all people all these years later, but when Jonathan Trott went home from the Ashes in 2013-14, um, citing, um, uh, you know, anxiety yeah, and depressive yeah. illness yeah. issues, they would have been the first slot who would have said he's a fucking weak yeah. pawn. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure... I'm pretty sure I was out there at the time and I was playing great cricket and that's exactly what... There was a lot of that. I was playing great cricket at the time yeah. myself. And, you know, there was a lot of, well, this is a confected yeah. excuse not to face Mitchell Johnson bowling at 155 clicks. Yeah. So you ask about culture. It, it, is, it is more complicated than simply how they'll perform on the field. It's, it's a, it, I think over time there'll need to be a, a recalibration of what we not just want to see when the side's playing well. So you talked about the downhill skiing when they were doing well against Sri Lanka and yeah. they were a bit more chirpy. But I also don't want it to be like it was in Johannesburg um, after um, the, the, four, the after the sandpaper at Frago last year where, uh, you know, none of them said a peep either and it, and it didn't feel like test cricket. Yeah. Now, they were exhausted. <laughs> but that, but there, there, there's a... I think everybody knows that. Don't we in life, like, there, there, there are judgments you need to make about your own behaviour and take responsibility for them. Um, you know, going out there and, and, and being assertive and aggressive and, and, and having a laugh and playing the mind games is part of it. Um, but is there is there a point where Australian teams historically have believed that there is a direct correlation between how nasty they are. So I don't mean aggressive and assertive, no, I mean no. nasty. There's a direct correlation between nastiness and success. I do think there has been an implicit belief that one follows the other. And I do think, well, Jeff Lemon has reported this in his book, uh, um, uh, last year, Steve Smith's men, that, um, that, that there was a direction to be nastier because they felt that it was going to pose, pose a comparative advantage against England yeah. last year. So you look at someone like David Warner, he hadn't said a peak for the better part of two and a half years on the field since um, he said some fairly unfortunate things uh, in the lead-up to the World Cup in 2015. Yeah. He pretty much just shut up. Uh, my first tour that I covered as a full-time um, reporter was 2015 in the Caribbean and Warner did a couple of interviews out there where he said that he was no longer going to be the attack dog. He was told to be the attack dog by management yeah. and by the captain, and that wasn't going to be part of his um, disposition anymore. And, and I mean, and he was the, the piss was strongly taken out of him for saying that. <laughs> but to his credit, he followed through. He did yeah. for two and a half years. Warner was standing at mid on, being pretty much just 
keeping with himself. And always. scoring loads of runs. And scoring yeah. lots of runs and, and, and managing the ball. No, uh, <laughs> that's a joke. That's just a joke. Uh, hey, but, he, but that was one of his jobs, yeah. as it happens, coincidentally or otherwise. Um, so, <laughs> or so, otherwise. But, but, but the point is, is that he, he was doing uh, what he said he was going to yeah. do until um, that Ashes series. And is there a, is there a coincidence or, or was he directed? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure in the fullness of time he'll talk about this. Uh, but certainly, I feel like that. that there's really one book. time where they're going to retire or similar times, and they're just going to just let it all. There'll be amazing books. Yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. They'll make for some amazing books. But okay. yeah, so it, it is an incredibly complicated question that you're asking, yeah. and I don't feel like I'm equipped to give like a sociology lecture, lecture no. either. But what I do think is is that it's not just the eleven men. Let's call it for what it is: men. Eleven yeah. men who are on the field at any given moment. It's perhaps a reevaluation of the way that we of the, see the nation. cricket. Yeah. At some level, it is, and yeah. you know that that might sound too simplistic as well. But um, you know, talking in brush strokes, I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah, yeah the, about culture. Yeah, I think that's the, the the nastiness and aggressiveness is the I think the key point. I think the correlate the perce- perception that Australian success is built on the nastiness needs to be unpicked, and I think it has to be replaced with aggressiveness. I think uh, if we I think there's, there's no place for that approach to sport anymore. And if Australia go down that road again, they're done. Yeah. I think that that's, I think people will lose, there won't be bands and careers gone. There's, I guess, no appetite for it. I think Australia has got a good enough team to come here and roll England in the Ashes. And they're just going to work out how they communicate that. I think the thing that, Disappoints me the most. I mean, we wouldn't moan about the ECB, but we don't do that. We we tend to. We tend to. We We tend to. We have. But try to get picked for England, mate. Yeah. (laughs) I think the the reality is that a lot of players are getting blamed, but there's a huge amount of management challenges here. Yeah. And all sorts of conversations that are going on where people being told and instructed what to do, and not enough slapping is taking place there. I'd love to. Yeah, I, I, I do want. To, yeah, that books. that period, I would love to see behind the scenes, especially. Uh, and I can't remember why is um, Kevin Roberts' predecessor. I can't think of his name. James Sutherland. James Sutherland. I would love to see what was going on at an organisation level because this was happening during his tenure, and yeah. and not, and there was obviously a massive issue between the ACA and Cricket Australia as well. Yep, which previous I, year. Yeah, yeah, previous year, which may have played into the kind of like fractious nature of that relationship. But it just seemed like people just pointing fingers at each other and no one was kind of going, well, this is what we want to do top down. This is what we want our Australian team to be. Um, and it just seemed like that was getting lost and there was no communication to the players of what they what meant, how they were meant to act. Yeah, and then there are cues, aren't there? Like there are yeah. things you pick up between the lines. So when Australia won the Ashes last year at Sydney, they won a million that when the, when the trophy was presented at Sydney, the yeah. the four one with the no, sorry the four zero with the fingers. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, does that give you a feel for organisationally where they were at? You know, perhaps at some level, the, the sort of people they'd hide into some positions. Um, you know, it, it did lend itself to heavy scrutiny. And Gideon Haig does a fantastic job of yeah, he is a um, fantastic uh, of interrogating this in his book, which was called. Pushing the line, I think it was. It was a anyway. It's a, it's a it's a slavery media book. I, I, I uh, it was um it was a it was a bloody good book that he wrote late last year. Going to a little bit of the behind the scenes cultural stuff that we're discussing here, but in a far more forensic way. Um, it, look, James Sullivan. Okay, 
I see, James, I see some parallels between James Sutherland and the players, actually. That is to say, the players who, uh, who, are, who represent the Australian men's team at the moment, my impression, having followed them for the last four years, is for the most part, they're a lovely bunch of blokes, really. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not sort of saying that for effect, because Tim Payne's the captain and Tim Payne's notoriously like the nicest bloke in cricket. <laughs> it's just that... Good hair, good great hair. Great hair, great lovely face. Like, <laughs> joy to see you watch to it. Great, fam- great family, great family life. man. Yeah. Like, you know, he's just a lovely guy. Yeah. But, the, but I mean, I, sort of, this is where we perhaps misread the ashes a wee bit. I would have said on various podcasts, my own included, that I felt that you know that both teams, Australia and England, were quite nice guys, quite sort of woke, if you like, for want of a better. And <laughs> that's um, the first time and, uh, someone's used something some twenty first. Century language yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, well, you know, it's just a nice place. I mean, I, I remember a couple of years ago, Mitchell Stark was sledging um, a Pakistani batsman. I can't remember who it was anymore, but his sledge to him was, come on, boys, let's send these bales to Wales. I mean, you know, like that, that, you know, like that gives you a feel for... Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to them to be absolute pricks, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. This is a learned behaviour. This is a this is a this something that... You, is passed down almost generation, generationally with your baggy green cap. He's right. Here's your baggy green cap, and here's like here's 10, mental disintegration. Yeah, he, yeah, here's ten ways to tell the opposition that they, you know, yeah. fuck their mum or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there, there's there, there's a, there's a degree of that which um, I don't think sits naturally with that side. No. I mean, many 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 years ago, I played cricket with Nathan Lyon, and um, a decade ago when he was playing club cricket, club and he was a, a lovely, lovely bowler then as well. It just took a while before he ended up, obviously, becoming a, an international cricketer. And when he came out before the Ashes last year and said that he wanted to go out and end some careers, that's so, so no, far yeah. away from the person Nathan is. Yeah, it's radically different. Which again, it, it points to the idea that they were picking up cues from somewhere, and maybe it was through the organisation. And the reason I raised Sutherland is that Sutherland never struck me as someone who has that, you know. Mongrel in him either. So, so it, who, who was the coach at this time? Well, was it convicted racist? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh. well, well, Dar- well, you know, there, there is scrutiny appropriately to Darren yeah. Lee, who oversaw the side for the previous five years, and uh, and you know, the, the, um, Pat Howard was the man who was appointed after the ten eleven organisational review to be the, the single point of point, yeah. accountability in in in, in the on field cricket played and. So I think that there, there are places you can look and point to and say, well, look, if these players who, for the most part, off the production line, that's the other point here, they're not coming up through, like, the grade system per se. They're not out there on a Saturday afternoon slaving away. Mostly they've been very good junior cricketers on the pathway into yeah. the state yeah. world and elite performance. We're, we're not talking about guys from yesteryear who did it a tough way and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, this is... The, and, and, and it's fine. Like, yeah. the fact is an elite performance pathway is a very positive and, and natural yeah. thing when you're trying to win international cricket series. Well, I had but, Jason Sanger on interview, sorry, just to this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds like a, a delightful young man. Isn't he, isn't he, isn't he a ripper? Will Pekoski yeah. and Sanger yeah, who are coming through together. Yeah, as well. Seemed like a great, like a great person. Will Pekoski is perhaps the most impressive 18-year-old yeah. I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I interviewed him. I did the first interview with him. Give, so, Give him five years, mate. Give him five years and he's like telling someone to fuck off. But, but this is it, right? I wonder whether Pukowski and Sanger, they're great yeah. examples. They're, they're the perfect... I wonder whether they, when they play for Australia, and they're going to, they're both absolute guns, oh, yeah. whether they are going to see this um, episode over the last 12 months and, you know, what happened over in South Africa, and whether they're going to see it as, as, a, as, as, the, as, the, as the path to not go down. Yeah. Or whether they'll be absorbed in this as well. <laughs> I, I, I suspect it'll be the format. They're both bright guys, but you know. It, it, or the public, will the public outcry 
being tough, being tough Australians, get through to them, and they'll start yeah. saying things they don't really want to say. Yeah, it, I guess it, it depends how successful they are. Yeah, if they can be successful without being wankers, I'm sure most people pursue that. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a very, very simple way of looking at it, but probably <laughs> the right way. And with that, we'll probably leave that there. Um, thank you, Adam, for your Australian perspective. It was, uh, it was. We we normally make some sweeping generalisations about the Australians on this podcast, so it's good to get some actual education. An education about what's going on behind the scenes and on the field. So, uh, but let's move on to you, Adam Collins, the man. Okay. No, no. I, what we were, we did mention it earlier on the pod, but it was it, what fascinated about me about you, especially in your career, is your recent purchase of the radio rights um, for the Pakistan Australia series in Dubai. Yeah. Um, you basically paid for it on your own. You produced it and you got it out there, basically as a well as a small team. Yeah. And that's a big risk to undertake. And yeah. yeah. And I want to know, really, why the fuck and how the fuck did you manage to do it? Yeah. Um, okay. So the short story is, is that I've, I've been really, really lucky to um, broadcast cricket around the world for various radio stations since 2014 or something like that when I first yeah. sort of entered the scene. And um, before that, I'd done a little bit of internet radio as well with Jeff Lemon. And he, he and I had conversations over the years about how, how we'd go about purchasing the rights for a series if, if, uh, if, 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 the, if the time was right and, yeah. and, and, and the money was right. And after the South African series, which I did for a commercial station and Jeff did for the public broadcaster in Australia, um, we, we just assumed that there'd be um, radio stations covering the Australia-Pakistan series in the UAE in October, and we never really thought much more of it. We just assumed they'd all go there because it was yeah. a massive series. First <clears throat> Australian test matches since... since um, sandpaper and then for a host of sort of editorial and budgetary reasons and quite fair um, reasons the, um, the stations didn't come and then there was a decision to make well there's this, this there's these rights which are sitting there un- unpurchased so yeah. um, I had a little bit of an understanding of how these things worked from a, a previous um, overture I suppose I had a look into it yeah. the previous year and in, in really simple terms, I called the PCB, found the right person and said, what do you want for yeah, it? I'll I mean, buy it off you. Yeah. I mean, is, that, is that it? You just go down with the credit card, give me a credit card number and go, can I buy these rights? I mean, this sounds, this sounds like ridiculous, but yeah. like that's actually what happened. Really? I mean, they, they went away and checked my um, credentials. They went yeah. away and made sure that they weren't selling it to a, you know, someone that hadn't done this before. But I think the fact that I'd worked with TMS and others helped right, with okay. that like, editorially. Do you have to provide kind of kind of financial plan, like you know? Well, all they cared about, all they was about money. money. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, like that. Did you have a financial plan though? Like, yeah. Who are you going to get out to? Yeah. Well, uh, peripherally, Wisden, um, the, you know, as the sort of bible of cricket, I was yeah. fairly confident that running it through Wisden.com would uh, would you know attract a decent amount of yeah. uh, listener base, and that's essentially what occurred. Okay. And the Cricket Australia, whilst I didn't know this, I knew that they'd previously bought streams when other uh, commentary teams have been assembled abroad and, yeah. and they did buy it off me as did the PCB uh, so it was something I was able to sell as a product alone but then commercially I had to sort of strap on the pads and the helmet and go out into the commercial marketplace <laughs> and try and flog some ads and, um, and, and and build some commercial partnerships and I guess having worked in politics for a pretty long time I had I good relationships to draw down on and, and also was wonderfully supported from some sponsors of um, English cricket, so yeah. Specsavers, who like, do an amazing job, in my opinion. I think Specsavers yeah. are one of the great sponsors in the world. Um, as soon as I explained what I was doing, yeah. they're like, "Well, we support Test cricket. Why wouldn't we support you?" I'm like, to their absolute credit, right? So there was an enormous amount of goodwill, but also 
Um, and some free glasses. And, and also, sort of, yeah, and, and also, and, and in a great commentary team, we were able to put yeah, it together. Some good names with, as well, yeah. Yeah, Mike That credit card, that credit card. <laughs> it must be massive. Yeah, I wish it were more. Uh, no, we were able to pull together a team that, and pay them the right commercial rate. Brendan Julian and Mike yeah. Hussey and Bazid Khan that played Test cricket for Pakistan. And, and That's then, a pretty impressive lineup to go with your first. Uh, yeah, amazing. Broadcast, broadcast like yeah. And then we got really lucky. You know, the the, the other part that um, is perhaps worth noting is that the Dubai Test match with Kawaja saved it. Yeah. With Tim Payne at the end, I mean, yeah, it's a better feel for me than how many people are listening, but. I mean, there are a shitload of people sitting around the world to that, to that call and that received a degree of notoriety, I suppose, that went you know, viral to an extent. Because you are like a bit of a risk taker because you gave up the heady world of politics for, for cricket writing. A, a, a job that's, well, high profile, yeah. well, I think, and you just you packed it in for cricket writing or cricket <laughs> yeah. journalism, sorry. That's it, a, nice, a nice way of putting it. I mean, the reality is there was a little bit of time in between when I was in finance and wanting to self-harm. Um, but, but, uh, but, but, but yes, well, I don't really find say that. Yeah, quite I know, a lot. Right. Um, but no, there, there was a yeah. I spent ten years in professional politics, and then um, had a had a year of doing uh, other things, which co- corresponded with starting to write about cricket. A couple right. of doors were opened from my old political life to help me start writing about cricket. And then after about eighteen months, I packed in the other job, post politics, and yeah. decided to take a punt as a freelancer. And then, two politicians on this well. Yeah, people yeah. politics on this podcast. I didn't know you were a councillor as well. well I was a councillor. Whereabouts were you? In Kingston. In Kingston. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. AFC um, Wimbledon down there looking after yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're looking up, taking loads of backhanders. Yeah. No, no, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Slander. Racial profile. Slander. 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 Getting south of the Aussie squad. Uh, <laughs> but the life of politics did probably help, right? So, yeah, yeah there is. A, there was an entrepreneurial streak and... Yeah, with politics, you, you you are paid to sell as well. Sell, but you're also conditional and culturally. We talked about culture. My experience in federal politics was that um, your your job is to and to, to, to collide with another um, point we were discussing before. You're paid to cross the line a little bit every day. <laughs> this your line. job your job is to push the line and cross it. Yeah. A little bit every day, not enough to get in trouble, not enough to be seen or noticed, yeah. but just take the piss enough yeah. that you extract a little bit of advantage each day, you know, in terms of um, trying to, um, you know, promote uh, what it is you're doing or, or trying to win an election or, or whatever it might be at the time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess when this came along, there, there were some existing skills I was able to draw down on and, and you know, it, it turned out to be quite a lot of fun. You're going to do it again? Yeah. yeah. Are we, are we going to get... Are we going to get more from the Adam Collins empire? Um, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, Have you got a company name? Sorry. We... No. No? <laughs> the Final Word Podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, please listen to the Final Word Podcast. Yeah. Uh, look, I think that um, I it probably built the cat with what we did last year. It probably brought to the attention of some people that this can be done. Yeah. Uh, so I receive a lot of, some, Yeah, I get know, a lot of phone challenges. calls. I get a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails from yeah. people who want to know what I did and have shown an interest, which is a, definitely a positive thing. We didn't have any, very little test cricket was broadcast into Australia from outside of Australia, with the exception yeah. of the Ashes, um, from about 2012 onwards or thereabouts. So whilst in the UK you have Talk Sport and the BBC um, fighting each other to, to do the broadcast into England, and that's a great thing in the sense that you've got a diversity of voices, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, a premium prestige product. In Australia, the ABC w- was the station that would go overseas and cover most series, but um, they've, they've sort of their interest in cricket sort of diminished yeah. in that period of time. There were some 
budgetary issues when there was a change of government uh, and, and the, the government that, that, that came in in 2013 drastically cut the ABC's budget. So that put them in a pretty tough spot. Um, yeah, so similar things that was going on with you guys. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, well, yeah, but without wanting to lay to the point, your, your mates over in Australia. So it did mean that um, they were in a tough spot, but it, but it also meant that people like had thirst for cricket on the radio. Yeah. We can all appreciate that as cricket lovers. I mean, there's something magical about the rhythms of cricket in the middle of the night when you're going to bed, you know, we've got the, got the radio I on. I can think of anything like, if TMS went off the radio or an equivalent, I'd just be like, what is going on? If You'd be correct. I'd be like, yeah. in the car and somewhere going on, just, even if I'm not even interested in what's going on in the I'll just switch on and just listen and then two hours of my journey would be like complete. So. And I think it's even more profound away from home. Like I've always had this view. I think listening to the cricket somewhere other than your own country is a really special thing. And when that was kind of taken away from Australians, there was a thirst for it. So Jeff and I met on his couch doing an illegal broadcast. Of, um, of a t- we met on Twitter and, uh, you know, yeah. I say illegal if you're listening to us, the lawyers at the time said it was legal, you know, well, whatever. Yeah. You were informed. <laughs> you were informed. <laughs> we, 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 we were trying our best. Yeah. Um, uh, but, we, but what we did at the time um, through White Line Wireless, which is very similar to Test Match Chauffeur and Gorilla Cricket over here as it's yeah. walked into, um, did fill that void. And that kind of got Jeff and I thinking about this topic and, you know, we've been really, really lucky to broadcast around the world for a, a series of radio stations, both in Australia and I think I've done it in nine countries now or something like that. So it, it's a, it's something that, that, but it started at, like, it didn't start with being a careerist. No. That, that's just a knock-on effect. What it started with is we just love cricket on the radio. So whether we do it again, to directly answer your question, I really hope so. Um, but if we don't, if we never, um, if we aren't able to pull something like that off again, well, I'll, I'll rest easy knowing that when there was the time of um, and the opportunity and, and, and Australians wanted that service that we were you able to it. provide it to them. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Well, uh, one of the pieces of feedback you see all over social media was the quality of commentary was fundamentally different and better that you, than you see here in the UK. And uh, I think there was a, a section with Mike Hussey talking in quite some detail about the psyche in the middle. I was wondering, do you think that approach to commentary is the future? That's very kind. Um, I don't think it was better or worse than, than those products. That's what, that's what they're all saying. <laughs> yeah. anyway. That's not what we're really saying. Yeah. Yeah. How I've explained it when I've been asked about it before is that because we came from an alternate cricket commentary background, which is a bit sweary and a bit drinky and a bit silly, and we meshed that with having done these professional broadcasts like TMS yeah. and so forth, it was a nice synergy between the two. So I think we had that conversational thing going on and that the chemistry was there. So we were able to have these in-depth conversations. And the other benefit of that was, I've got this theory about TV commentators, that, and I've done a bit of TV, so I've got a little bit of first-hand experience. You're in a straitjacket. It's very hard when you're yeah. talking to pictures to be expressive and to play your shots. Yeah. So in the case of Brendan Julian, who's been, I don't know, 15 years on television now, Hussey, I don't know, six or seven years, they, they were liberated by coming on radio. They had... To fill the space, because that's your job as your summariser, the commentator calls the ball, your summariser yeah. tells a story or, or adds to it as they see fit. Um, all we were doing was facilitating some amazing stories uh, willing to tell and not just forthright opinions, but like stuff that I reckon if you had them sitting around this table right now in a podcast format, they'd excel at. But we had this great thing. We had seven hours of seven hours broadcast a day. Yeah. Seven hours of broadcast a day with some like great cricket minds who wanted to contribute. They were passionate about it. They, they knew they were part of a startup, like, you know, yeah. they knew what they were getting into uh, and, and they, were, they were incredibly generous with their time to do so. But 
I think that all fed into why we had this this dynamic across the two test matches, which yeah, people were pretty generous about, and, and hopefully, like I say, we we get a chance to replicate it well, at some stage. We certainly have a little bit short because I thought I, we had this conversation with Will McPherson and, and Vish, who is on on our podcast before, and the great work that guys of wisdom do as well. There's a new kind of movement of cricket writer, yeah. a kind of establishment. I'm being thrown out because it's still there and there's still a, a place for Mike Atherton and Taj, but there's a new kind of cricket journalist, uh, like a group of cricket journalists, yeah. uh, who are more freelance, so they're operating everywhere, but yeah. but they are, it's new voices that are getting kind of this out of established cricketers, so, you know, they, would you say that that is happening within cricket, there's a little movement, I yeah. don't know what to call it, I don't know what to call you. Well, it's been called, there, there was a piece written about this some years ago now, which badged us as the cricket geeks. The cricket geeks, yeah. Um, well, and, let's go with that. And and, 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 and we're all mates. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you are very good mates. Play football yeah. together. We're down in having yeah. a net together. Yeah, we we yeah. It's, it's well, I mean we like holiday together. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Say I that, mean, yeah. so, well, for um, people on holiday, there was a lot of bounces <laughs> being bowled. Um, anyway, that's yeah. no. Uh, look, we're, we're all mates. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, and there's a lot of people around the world who have seen the way the market um, has moved. So. There were far fewer jobs working in the established newspaper game than there was five or ten years ago, and going freelance is a perfectly rational way of responding to that. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think that people inside the more formal tent don't write that way as well. So I think that we've taken our cues from people in that space. Yeah. I look at, you know, Atherton's a great example, yeah. but in an Australian context, Gideon Haig or Chris Ryan, Greg Baum. You know, giants of the newspaper industry, who've um, Malcolm Knox and other, who, they've got twenty odd years of experience writing about cricket, but they've been under a, an individual masthead, and 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 then that's what they've been known for yeah. being, you know, Greg born from the Age or getting yeah. in more recent times from like from the Australian newspaper or, or whatever it is, where we've got this latitude where we bounce around a lot more, and I think that kind of adds to the impression that we're all over the place, and. The, the person who you can probably link a lot of this to and deserves an enormous amount of credit for inspiring, well, Vish, me, Will, it's a good trio there, Jared Kimber, who, yeah. um, Jared, um, Jared, like, his story is amazing. I mean, he and I have a very similar upbringing in terms of where we grew up relative to each other in Melbourne, about 40 kilometres out from the city, but he was, um, you know, parking cars in garages until, I don't know, it might have been 10 years ago or something like that. He started a blog, which... People like Gideon immediately loved because Jared was willing to say things that others wouldn't inside the tent. And he, I guess, refined his way of communicating and over time became such a valuable asset that he's now part of the Talk Sport family and they've won a big award last night. He's Pat's Crick Info's best-known writer, I say with some trepidation, but I'm fairly sure he's their best-known yeah. writer alongside probably George DeBell, Dan Brady. Yeah. Kimber is like right, you know, in that, in terms of most read people, Osmer Sammy Uden, Fidel Fernando, but there's a few of them. But Jared, in terms of the way he inspired people um, in that era, I think was really crucial to making people believe that it was possible. Yeah. I lived over here in 2011 and 2012 working on the Olympic Games, and that's when I was like really first exposed to Jared on a daily basis, and that's when I first started thinking, shit, maybe this, is, this could be something I could do one day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not comparing my writing to Jared's, by the way. He's, you know, gone so brilliant, um, and I'm not saying that we're as good as him or whatever, but... That, that probably there's probably a relationship between all of that, um, and, and I like that generationally we seem to have more or less come through together. So yeah. Jeff and I, Jeff was a poet, I was a political advisor. We talked about before, you know, Vish was on the way to well, he he, he qualified as a as a chemical engineer and was going to be a doctor. I mean, Will studied history at quite high yeah, level. Yeah. Um, 
that people have done other shit yeah. before instead of being, and I'm not saying that just doing newspapers doesn't no. give you other skills too. Jonathan Liu, um, you know, went into papers at age 20 and he won the sports columnist of the year last night at the, at the SJAs and, you know, if there's a better sports writer in the world, I don't know who it is. Uh, so th- there are different ways of getting there, but I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Your, your original point about the, the closeness of that community is accurate, and I, you know it's, it's a rising tide situation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Someone like definitely. Tim Wigmore, Easy Westbury. There's so many people. I feel like I'm going to leave someone out, but people who came through as friends. Oh no, absolutely. We're trying to get them all on this podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> right, we've, got, yeah. we've got a big long list in our yeah. in our well, in my book, and I'm just going to tick them off. Yeah, all by one. yeah, and, and it's been a great thing to be part of for the last few years. And look, you know, Vicious now got a full time job as does Will, as does yeah. Wigmore. Like the, Freelancing probably isn't forever for for all of us, but it's been a really nice, interesting thing to do at a, at a point where the market has been shifting and lending itself to people who don't necessarily work for one place. Beautiful. And with that, thank you very much, Adam Collins. Um, have you got anything to plug? Just, just, just briefly. I feel like I've talked so much. I'm, no, it's I'm fine. Mindful, I'm You've mindful, had a lot but... of water because we've had to talk so much. We yeah. asked you. We wanted you to talk so much. But uh, all I'd say is, if you uh, if you can. They subscribe to Jeff and my podcast. Yeah, the final word. The final word is found in all the usual places. The final word cricket podcast. That's um, that's uh, we now have subscribers who actually pay money to listen to our podcast. Yes, quite the nice. Dream. The dream, yeah. I know, I know. So if you really like the podcast, you can join our Patreon account. But oh. initially, um, if you want to have a listen to that, we do one episode a week. It often involves a big interview. We've got um, an interview with Isha Gurha at the yeah. moment. She's just. Best. I mean, yeah, she's just an incredible um, phenomenon, uh, and um, and we've got one coming up with Ian Chapel, which is pretty good as well, Beautiful. and other people like that. So if that's your, if that's your bag, jump on. Um, Gad, anything to plug? Brexit. No, How's it going? Won't be talking about. No, that. don't want to plug that. No. Okay. okay. I feel Fair like enough. we should go to the pub now and like either duke it out, and, like literally get in a fist fight, or no, or, or, or no, I'll mediate. Years. It's fine. It's okay. I'll mediate. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Thank no. Yeah, is that a plug? Shout it. Uh, the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast, which you can also subscribe to in the normal places. And it's um, really good. The Wisdom podcast. I'm going I'm I'm to double plug that. Yeah. You guys, <laughs> it's hard doing a podcast. I think both, both of you guys, I mean, yeah. bloody hard starting a podcast. We've been yeah. going four years now. You know, what up to episode 20 or something you guys have done now or something? 15, I think. 15, and you've got to, you know, that, that to your immense credit that you've, you've, uh, you've you're, everyone's sticking at it and because yeah. the more voices out there the better for the sport well Yaz is going to jump on Yaz is going to jump on next time I've decided I have to think about <laughs> it you don't want to sit there on your laptop you're coming in next time we're missing one of the usual hosts kick T1 out maybe I wish T1 really? was here yeah, no, T1 is upgrade. great Yaz an upgrade that definite upgrade better beard better looking I want to hear about yeah. T1's dating and vegetarians. Oh, oh, let me go. T1 has a missus now. Yeah, uh, by the way, it could be the fall of T1. We might have to play like funeral music. Uh, the Sorry. death of T1. Um, no. Have you, have you just got him out? Got rid of no, him? He's, he's got it. He's puppy in love. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, which is good for him. But um, yeah. I expect to turn at the end of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. I was with that bombshell, as another famous TV program said. We're out of it. Cheers.